Welcome to Greener Grass, a podcast. We'll explore if perception is reality in business, relationships, and motherhood. Hosted by myself, Carrie Wee, and my partner, Kelly McVeigh, we're two former dancers turned entrepreneurs who are from the same small town. I wanted to come on and let you guys know that we're going to be a little bit out of order with our episodes. Today we recorded with the amazing Gina Lucas and really got into a conversation about what's going on in America today with the anti-Asian violence that's occurring and the shooting in Atlanta. So without further ado, here's today's episode. Okay, so, so excited today to have Gina Lucas, who is the field director in training of Sesco Designs and former regional director at Beauty Counter, which is where I got the opportunity to work and meet Gina. She is the proud mom of two boys um, who are surfers, and I know they do jitsu, and they live in northern San Diego. Um, she has a website called, called Unmuted Coconut, and I am so excited for you to all learn a little bit more about Gina and all the things that drive her in her everyday life. Just so you know, like this is the first time her and I have both been together with one person, and there's a million reasons I wanted to to do that with you. And I feel like I have um, updates in life that I want to talk to you about anyway. So just so you know, this is round number one. So basically we've been in a monogamous relationship with each other. Yes. And we, we've, we've opened ourselves up to threesomes. Yes. And you're the first one. You're that is amazing. That is amazing. Um, okay, so I am super excited to um, welcome our very first guest, um, Gina Lucas, and I had the opportunity of getting to know her and meeting her through corp- a corporate job, and we didn't actually get to know each other really, really well because we were off and running. Gina herself is super um, amazing at work and jumps in 90 million miles an hour. So we did, I think, share a few glasses of wine and got to know each other a little bit. But after um, parting ways and going to another job, um, I feel like I, she's amazing on social media. I started following her. And since then, we've talked a few times. And because I'm always intrigued by what she's doing and what she's saying and all the things. And so I always love being surrounded by amazing people in general, and she is definitely that. Um, Gina, I loved even today, like I jumped on your Facebook page um, and saying like unmuted coconut. First of all, you have to explain that for sure. And then I also loved, and then I'm going to let you talk, um, in your Facebook, it says everything is personal. And I feel like in today's world, there are so many Uh, podcasts I listen to or books that say like, don't take it personally. Like you should be able to brush off other people's feelings and you should be so strong and confident on your own that it shouldn't feel that way. And there was something about you saying like everything is personal that really spoke to me in a sense that no, it is personal. Like you're in my realm, you're in my friends, family, warm market, whatever you want to call that. And so sometimes when we interact, like, no, I take it personally because I wear my heart, my sleeve. I love all people. And so I, so 
who knows if that's what you were thinking when you wrote that, but I just want you to share a little bit about who you are um, and what does Unmuted Coconut and Everything is Personal mean to you? Oh my gosh. Well, okay. it's actually I feel it's like fun, deep, but it's So deep. that's why you're um, here. Well, I know, I know. I And I'll try and keep it light and fun too. Well, first off, thanks guys. Thanks for letting me the, be the first. I think that's pretty special. Like I said, I feel like this comes with a t-shirt. Um, I am, it does, right? A t-shirt. Uh, me, let's see. Well, I am a mom. I'm a boy mom. I have a 12-year-old and 10-year-old. So definitely at a different phase of parenting. Um, I feel, you know, I don't know, this mom life thing, it, it changes as they get older. I feel like from toddlers to school age to now I have middle school and Kelly, you'll be able to speak to just even more high school and beyond and then empty nesters, right? So that mom, I, it's hard for me to say what a mom is because it changed what it, what that means to me. Cause it changes all the time. Um, I've redefined myself from like wife to partner. Cause if I've learned anything after being married this long and, you know, having the kids and moving to different cities, it really is a partnership. So I understand that a little better now. I'm a hardcore dog lover. I'm a behaviorist by education. I've found myself getting comfortable in my own skin when we'll talk about this as like the unmuted coconut. And what does that mean? As my own activist, I'm very much an optimist to the point where it's almost um, ridiculous. And it could feel ridiculous to somebody that's not in that same mindset. But I just re refuse to think the world's a bad place. Like I really treat life like I'm going through it playing whack-a-mole. Like I I do whack down every negative thought that comes my way. And I don't know if that's something that's come as I've gotten older, um, you know, just different coping skills. But I do pride myself on being an optimist. I'm a hobby economist because, again, I'm older and wiser and understanding more about money and wealth and, you know, what's out there and how it's not necessarily built for women. The financial industry isn't necessarily built for women. So I've become very obsessed through my experiences as an entrepreneur and working different corporate positions with educating and really co-creating opportunities for women. I have a focus on immigrants because my parents are immigrants and people of color, it's specifically to build wealth, money and prosperity. So that's, that's really it. You know, I, my skill set is in training and development and I've had that role in so many different things, mental health, um, sales leadership, and of late financial literacy. Well, I feel like so, even a that, lot of things. I mean, there's <laughs> probably a million things right there that I had no idea about you. Um, but I also, all the reasons that I wanted you to be our very first guest who is going to get a t-shirt. So when you say like your own activist, and I feel like a lot of the things that you're saying right now are so relative, what do I want to say the word? You're gonna have to cut this out, Carrie, but relative to what's going on in the world right now today. And I feel like on the news, like yeah. it's just constant. And in a lot of ways, I feel like you're saying you're an eternal optimist, which I think I am too, to a fault in some ways, which we can talk about that too. But with everything going on in the world today, and, you know, being a, the daughter of immigrants, like, how does that play into your optimism? And in what way do you feel like you are really making an impact 
Um, I think I even saw today something you posted about, um, well, you can share what you posted because now I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it really is a journey. I think being a child of an immigrant and I'm born and raised here in the U S so my parents are Filipino and that would be the culture that I strongly identify with, but growing up here, right. Growing up in the U S this is what I know. Um, and when I say unmuted coconut, I think about, uh, my parents' generation, and I, this is touchy-feely. I think this is an experience specific to me. It's not necessarily every immigrant's, immigrant child's experience, but I think of um, assimilation. I think of my parents coming from a place where, uh, where they thought of white Americans as the, let's, like the heroes. I guess that's a good way to, it's the hero in the story. And really, anytime there was ever an incident when, you know, you know, speaking to the news today of like Asian American Pacific Islander violence or hate crimes that they would really be muted because they just felt so thankful for the opportunity to be in this country and just never really wanting to make waves, if that makes sense. I think it's complicated, but that would be like my experience. So growing up, you know, with that narrative, I always felt muted. I always felt like I do need to be on good behavior. I do need to, you know, over, over, over accomplish things. I, you know, just being that hard worker to just not make waves. Um, and just, you know, sat there quietly. But as I've gotten older and just more exposure to different groups and, you know, finding and equipping myself with my own confidence, I've, I, you know, started to deal with the pain of that, right? the pain of that, because that comes with, it comes with a lot of shame and guilt. I think the Asian American experience uh, is very similar to other minorities, but it's also different, right? It's not the same history that's woven into the Declaration of Independence and the same history as, um, you, just slavery in the U.S. It's different. Uh, so it's a different experience. And so, yeah, there's the, the try like being stereotyped as hardworking and smart and submissive and obedient. Like there's that part of it, which serves in a way its own privileges because you're, you're quiet and you're almost a wallflower and you're, you're given accolades for those stereotypes. But at the same time, you know that it's wrong. You see the pain, you feel the pain, but you're quiet. So, and then the coconut thing. Um, yeah, I throughout growing up as an Asian American and being very westernized from both white counterparts and um, Filipino counterparts, it was kind of the joke where it's like, Gina, she's a coconut. She's brown on the outside and white on the inside because I was so westernized. And that, you know, came with jokes, but it also came with like a lot of pain. And so I've just found my voice as I've gotten older. I think, you know, I talk about like, as you get older, you've got this legitimate bag of tricks, and you have actual experiences to bring to the table and share insight, and hopefully enlighten, you know, generations to come, or just, you know, even your friends. Um, to be part of the conversation. Gina, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in because I didn't 
I didn't know you were Filipina. I'm I'm Chinese. And I love you just articulated that so well. I have been it took me about a day or two to get to the level of pissed off I am about what's going on because the Atlanta thing, like it took me a couple days because of how they're handling it. And I've spent just like what you're saying, like um, my whole life being really quiet. My parents are, you know, I'm first generation. So my parents are just like, don't worry about other people. Keep your head down, work hard, make your money, take care of your family. That's it. And don't get involved. So Carrie, and, I, when she was talking, I was just thinking like how, like the reasons that I wanted Gina to jump on with us, this didn't even come to play in my mind. And I love that about this and this conversation, because as soon as she started talking, I felt like when I think about Carrie, Carrie and I knew each other when we were younger, but not super like in high school, we danced together. And when we first started talking about this, Carrie, I said that I felt like you were super quiet and you were like, I didn't think of you as like an outgoing person. And now you like live in Hollywood and you're a professional dancer. Like you kind of blew a lot of those stereotypes. And in a sense, um, that was you, we, you and I have talked about how that was hard because your parents, um, had certain expectations of you or, but all of this is like so crazy that it's coming together in this way in this conversation. Yeah. And it's so relevant, particularly today. And when you were saying, Gina, when you were saying like you felt a certain way when you're growing up, but now that you're older, wiser, you have more experience, it's time to make some motherfucking waves. And that is what I feel like. I, I literally went on Facebook and went on a soapbox rant and I will do it. I had the confidence now. I have the confidence now to do it. I'm going to do it every single day that I feel like doing it because there's there's a lot of people out there who are allies and friends of mine who don't realize because I've never talked about it, like the sexualization of the Asian woman and what I've experienced in my life, even as a high school, even as an elementary school kid, where there would be boys, white boys that would be really attracted to me, but they hated themselves for it because I am not, I don't know, I'm other or I'm not as good. And then they would blame me for it. It's a hard one. And you know what? I, it's hard for me to even clearly articulate my thoughts because I think I'm going through my own work of unlearning my own experiences and, you know, finding like the grace in it and just finding you know, finding peace with it. I don't even know if it's really peace, just kind of reconciling my experiences to make sense to me because it was painful. Um, and I, you know, I'm 45 now and it's just starting to, to get good, right? Like you said, like I finally have this confidence and you have this experience, you have knowledge and you have wisdom where I think I, I feel equipped to make an impact, Right. But it is it's hard to talk about. And I think when I get tongue tied in all of it, it really yeah. is. It's the emotions. <laughs> right. It's suppressing the emotions and just like, OK, you know, make sure you get your message across and, you know, do it in a way that people are going to understand. But it's hard. It really is hard. 
Because it is true as, you know, an immigrant child, uh, the child of immigrants, I have been so thoroughly conditioned to think that white Americans are the individuals uh, that I imagine, you know, I imagine this narrative um, where they have a protagonist role, where my white American friends have a protagonist role. And it really is just like, I need to be thankful that I'm here. But also at the same time, looking so different that I'm not really sure if I'm fully accepted as an American. It's, it's, it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. Uh, but yeah, I was, you know, raised by parents that did not encourage me to speak out uh, about any issues and just like head down, like you said. Um, this idea of like, as long as we are able to build this livelihood here and be successful, that's a really good existence. But like I said, it comes yeah, and with that's a lot the of maybe the uh, the gift that they really gave us is that um, you know they they had to do that because they were immigrants and they had to build a foundation. Mm-hmm. But what we have now is a platform if we want it. Yeah. Well, the optimist in me is this: like, look, I look at just even having this discussion openly at 45 in 2021. And I think about how different it was even five years ago or 10 years ago. So for example, in my, you know, the company that I work for now, we have these open lunch and learns where we have these types of hard discussions. And just five years ago, where, you know, if we were to talk about social justice issues at work, it was more of in context of HR of, you know, what is acceptable in the workplace and what isn't and what we, you know, the company doesn't tolerate and will not put up with. But now you see it across brands, you see it, you know, companies getting loud about their stance on social justice issues. That's different. The fact that my kids have become much more aware, and I think it's positive that they're having these discussions at a younger age, because I want them to be equipped with the confidence to go into their adulthood feeling really proud of who they are. And that would, wasn't happening even five years ago. So I, as the optimist in me sees that as a good thing. I don't even know where to jump in. And in one way, I feel like because I I don't want to, I don't feel like I am, I can relate, obviously, because... I have white privilege and I feel like I didn't even being totally honest, really understand or see that until the last year. And I think that we're all growing. Like it's so crazy how in the last year, all of the turmoil and the heartache and including with the pandemic, I think we're all growing. Yeah. Times have changed. Mindsets have shifted. Conversations have shifted. And as painful as it is, I do believe it's in the right direction. Because Kelly, you know, you're in a conversation right now saying like, I don't really know where I fit in this conversation. That alone is progress. That I'm having, you know, a conversation with two friends. I'm having a, you know, and one of them being a white counterpart, you know, a white co-creator in all of this. And I think that's powerful. I think that's, to me, that's progress. I wasn't having these conversations with friends in high school or in college. 
So yeah, the fact that you're wondering and thinking and, you know, trying to figure out where your place is in the bigger conversation is probably So Carrie, do you feel, because optimism is like, I think, I think it's big to even be able to say like, I see, I have hope, right? Um, do you feel that same hope or are you, because in some ways just listening, uh, be kind of feeling like, not like an outsider because you, I love you both and you love me, but I feel like, um, Gina is a little beyond the pissed off and you are in this, like, you know what I'm saying? It takes some, like, it takes us, you have to like take it all in, feel it. You know, and maybe you are pissed off, Gina. I don't know. Oh, I'm pissed. But I also think, like, oh, I am so, so hurt. I've done the shower cry. I've done all of it. But I think it's like that when you're, you're having healthy conversations, then I think you're headed in the right direction. So for example, I, I feel like, you know, now I want to do more than post about it and talk about it. And Kelly, that's why I had that open invitation in that post on Instagram and on my Facebook, inviting people to attend a, a free training on bystander, how to inter- intervene as a bystander when you see, you know, when you see a hate crime, because that's where we are. And I think that's fantastic that now those trainings are out there. They're accessible. That's the next part of all of, you know, this movement is getting into activity and action. Right. And I, I am in this place, you know, where I have a 12 year old and a 10 year old where I want to equip them with the tools and the coping skills to be successful and to feel safe. And again, the reason I, I see it as progress is, those things so are out I there now say, and we're having these conversations. Uh, something that I feel this feels, these thoughts feel familiar to me in a sense is that, um, you know, I have four, four kids, um, but one of them is pretty fabulous for being a little boy. And I always think like, what does that mean? And I am not putting any stereotype on him right now because I'm sure he is growing, developing, figuring out who he is. Um, but I think about all of those things in growing up in today's world. And I think that there are more people accepting, um, of transgender and being gay than ever before. But I also feel that you love your children more than anything and you want them to be safe and the ability for him to have a hate crime or, um, be bullied in school or all those things come into play and in mind. And like, how do you equip children to be who they are, whether that's sexually race and still feel strong, confident and safe, all of those things. Like those things are all in play for me in my mind daily. And now thinking about it, you guys probably have always felt that way. Have you? Yeah, but that's where like unmuting yourself, right? I think that's what was so painful and was so hard about growing up is I didn't know how to use my voice and I wasn't having these conversations yes, with my parents. Yes, not knowing how to peers, use your voice is so bad. Right? I didn't have 
Right. I didn't have, now you have all these platforms where you can come together and lock arms, right? You have access to information. Um, It's easier to organize. And that wasn't available to me in my younger years. So I think when I think, when I think of equipping this next generation, our kids, it really is unmuting them and having those conversations. in having that dialogue with them. You know, Gina, the, the, the name of our podcast is Greener Grass. And what I'm learning is that this, that idea can be, can be utilized to help us grow and learn in almost any situation. And in this situation, it's making me think, you know, just worldwide and in this country to let other people know to educate other people and what our experience has been is uh, is a part of that. You know, what has your grass patch been like? Because there's no way for other people to understand without us articulating it well and to people who will absorb it. Right. Right. And that, again, that comes down to unmuting and communicating, right? So, um, Gina, talking about the fact that, you know, you also mentioned that you think about women and work women in the corporate world and um, financial wealth and all of those things for women. And I feel like uh, the business that we have worked in together is majority women and women, you know, building their own businesses. And I think a lot of that is development and feeling confident and um, all of those things. So in your corporate world, like how does that come into play? And I know, do you feel like you're an activist in that way too? 100%. Um, I, th- I feel like things have come full circle as a, as a view on money for me and opportunity. When I think about the industry that we're in, Kelly, and you know, the direct sales industry and people working as entrepreneurs within that arena, I I think of the history of it, right? So like there's the history of, you know, somebody, a woman being able to sell Avon, but not necessarily being able to vote and how, you know, Tupperware had its heyday when um, the war was over and, you know, the men went back to the workforce and it opened up an opportunity for women to earn. So I see all that, but also just the flexibility that that industry gives women, right? You can't just, take off from maternity leave that you can't, you know, women are don't necessarily have the same opportunity for education as well, but this industry allows women to earn. So it's not a specific, you know, college degree. It takes passion. It takes, you know, grit. It takes all of that, but there isn't a cap on your income. And that's not an opportunity that's available to a lot of women or just available to you know, men and women in general. So that's one of the reasons that I love the industry. But again, I think the independence and earning and the earning potential, when I think of, you know, friends that have had, you know, had husbands and their husbands have gotten sick or they've, you know, gotten divorced, things like that. What I've started to learn is that, not learn, I think I knew this the entire time, but, you know, as women, we have so many different things on our plate that we're, we're juggling and dealing with, um, is that women 
aren't necessarily equipped with financial literacy. We aren't necessarily active participants in um, you know, growing our wealth and our prosperity and our bank accounts because we are kind of taught this narrative when we're younger that women aren't good with money, right? We, we talk about shopping, we talk about spending, but it's really easy to fall into that trap that men are good with money, men understand the financial market, men are economists. But what I've learned, and when you think about women and how we shop and our keen eye for identifying trends out there, we really are and should be the shareholders in a lot of companies. We should be the big players in the stock market. And, you know, doing our own thing like Wall Street bets and swinging the market in directions that we're passionate about because women are able, when we lock arms, things get done, right? And we are the ones that are the drivers for a lot of the things that are in our homes and what companies succeed and where, you know, women are spending money. So yeah, um, being an active participant in your wealth and understanding the difference between wealth and money I think, again, equips women with the confidence, right? I think of like the Me Too movement, How, you know, even you know, the Me Too movement, the oh, hyper-sexualization of women and, and how women end up in these, um, these situations, these uncomfortable situations where they can be taken advantage of because of financial vulnerability. It comes down to, not having control of your money, not having access to grow your your resume, your career, right? Having, you know, gatekeepers there. But when you understand your money and how to earn and how to grow your wealth, you're now in control. You now have the confidence to leave a relationship, to find new opportunities, to surround yourself with people that are going to, you know, push you forward and mentor you forward. So that's, I mean, that's how I see money and wealth and prosperity. So I actually think, and I feel like you and I can take a deeper dive, I feel like even off of this at some point, but I think I have listened to the narrative in a sense that I think when you listen to something that everyone portrays, you believe it about yourself. And obviously like I've been independent and I have an amazing job. Um, but I think that I've never, I'm also not huge numbers person in general in life, but I feel like I kind of believed the narrative that I don't, I'm not terrible with my money, but I don't do things like understand the stock market or jump into things that could build my wealth in a different way because I kind of think I believed the narrative that that was true. And I don't think I even almost really knew that until we just started talking about it. But how do you, how do we shift that for, I mean, you have boys, but Carrie has a girl. I have two daughters myself. Like, how do we shift that for the future generations of girls and women out there? Right. Well, now there's tools out there and that I think that's where financial literacy comes into place. I, you know, I don't know when you guys were in high school, did you guys have that that I guess it was called home economics class where you learned about balancing your checkbook and things like that. So we in my home economics class learned how to bake and we also um we we sewed a little bag that had straps on it and like 
that's what we learned in my home economics class. What about you, Sari? Well, I actually have a different experience because, well, my dad, if he, if he had his choice, he would have a bunch of boys, but he has two girls and a boy. And he very much treated us like boys in that way. He, I mean, my father told me when I was young enough to remember that I should go work for myself, that I should have my own business. My parents, of all of the uh, flaws they have as Asian immigrants, they taught me and my siblings about money very early on. So I had a different experience because my, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, I don't know a lot of dads who are telling their really young daughters that they should never have a boss. Right. I don't think there's a lot. (laughs) Well, and I also think of like my parents, like they taught me, you know, the message was to save and to earn and get an education, but they didn't necessarily teach me different ways to grow my wealth. Right. 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 The same as me. Like, I think I knew to save and to work really, really hard, but no one was telling me when I earned the money, what I could do to grow the money. Yeah. And I think that's where the education piece comes in again, right? Like having, having access to that type of um, information and education. And I'm starting to see that you're starting to see things out there. um, Financial wealth companies that are, 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 you know, financial companies that are focused on women and that, you know, educating women on how to invest. There's that out there. But I think, you know, again, these like, when you think of immigrants and when I think of people of color, there's like, there are these myths that the stock market is for, you know, really wealthy people, or you have to have a lot of money to grow your wealth. Or it's as simple as like, you know, putting a percentage into your 401k and then not understanding anything that happens with it. Whereas if you had the education and you were an active participant in that, you would probably grow your money in a much bigger way. Does that make sense? Um, I have no idea what's happening with my money in my 401k. (laughs) Just being totally honest, I don't know what that means, but I am sure there are some people out there listening to this that are hearing this and feel the same way. Yeah, I just say it's important. I think you, we have to, we do have to teach the generations to come and the girls to come. So Carrie, like your daughters, it's like, of you know, how to earn, how to make that work for them and how, you know, show them like, what money can do for them. And I'm not talking about what it can buy for you, but the value of like how you can utilize that freedom if you do have it. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like um, what you said earlier in the conversation about being optimistic, I really do feel like the conversation about race, the conversation about women really taking charge of their finances and learning about the stock market, learning about everything. I, I really feel like even though there's some painful bumps and bruises we're having here in 2021, we're going in the right direction. I agree with that. Even though yeah. I am pissed generally, especially today. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one, but it really is a tough one. I I think we could just 
say that over and over again. So when we think, because I do think I would love to have you on again at some point, um, because you are, there are a million things I would love to talk to you about for sure. But when you think about the topic of greener grass, when, when Carrie and I first, um, started talking about this, Gina, it was kind of like, I want to do something with you, West Coast, East Coast, like we should do something. And when we first kind of reconnected, you know, we reconnected and then we, I met her for wine in in LA and it was kind of like, okay, I'm 40. I have a corporate job. I did the kid thing. I have four kids. And Carrie was in this place in life where I'm 40. I got to travel the world and live my dream and become a professional dancer but I don't, I want a baby so bad. And now I'm worried that I'm, I missed my window. Now she has a beautiful daughter, but you know, we started talking about this concept of greener grass that I'm looking at her life and like, wow, I wish I had gotten to travel the world and be a dancer. And she's looking at my life, like, oh my gosh, like, I wish I had chosen, you know, to have kids or whatever. So when you think about the concept of greener grass, do you love and embrace everything about who you are and what you've learned and grown to be as like becoming a muted and becoming that woman who it becomes an activist because she is, um, has, you know, parents that were immigrants or do you look and, and look at other people's lives sometimes and like, wow, I wish that my life looked easier in that sense or being the internal optimist as you are just, does that, looking at other people's life and thinking like what what's greener over there not come into play in your mind I mean when I think of greener I think of like material things but like who doesn't want nice things right like okay cool and all that but there's such it's very liberating to just water the grass where you are right like water the grass and have control of that because that's where I've found my happiness is where I can see see where I can grow green grass, if that makes sense, and finding happiness in that. So like, you know, taking control of my own mindset, that the grass is greener for me now, because I control my narrative now. I'm equipped with experience and, you know, looking in the rear view mirror and it's like, recognizing that it's green right where I'm at. <laughs> um, and taking, you know, taking all those experiences it's almost like I took the seeds from all those experiences and just kept planting it around me. And I feel really good about where I'm at. It's not saying like, yeah, it'd be nice if like things were different in here and there, but I am really, I have to say, feel really good about right now. Okay. I obviously, you know me, so I am all, I love everything you just said. And I think it's definitely a really good reminder just to me, because I feel like I've had kind of like a rocky week in general um, for multiple reasons. And sometimes you forget about all the things that you have going on and the fact that even every bump is a seed that you plant, you learn from, you water, you grow. So I love that you took our topic and even made me think of it in a different way, really. But okay, so Finishing off, and I, I feel like we, we we will definitely have you back if you'll take us. If you if you get the t-shirt in the mail. Get, yeah, if you give me a t-shirt. If I yes. get you a first, um, first time t-shirt, then for sure have you back. But like if you were going to leave 
um, our amazing listeners with one final thought, thinking about, we kind of like talked about so many different things. I feel like parenting, the corporate world, um, being a woman in today's world, wealth, um, you know, our, our jobs. And then two with the struggles that are going on, um, with race and especially Asian Americans right now, just because it's hitting so close to home for both of you. Like what would be a final thought that you would love to leave all of us with today? Oh man, so many things. Well, outside of unmuting yourself and finding your voice, it really would be to spend more time doing, you know, I think about how much time I spend dreaming and how much more I could do if I was in activity and doing things, right? I think about this like dream to do ratio. You know where you want to go. You know what you want to, you know, where you want to be and what you're hoping to accomplish. Dreaming is fantastic, but you need to do. So my advice would be do a lot. Just do. <laughs> I love that. And listen, I think that for Carrie and I, this is a year of us doing and even jumping in and starting this because I feel like it was talked. We talked about it. We talked about it. We talked about it. And um, we're taking action and jumping in. So I love the concept. People have dreams. And I think a lot of people have secret, the secret dreams, all those thoughts that they think that they want to do, but they're just, you know, scared to jump in and try and do it. And so I'm all about jumping in doing it, making it happen, um, and watering your own grass for sure. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and Carrie, do you want to wrap us up here for the end and thank everyone? Yeah, I, I love today's and it was so great to Kel, you did a great job asking the questions. I just chilled over here. I was, a, I had a snack and I, I love everything that you guys have been talking about. And um, I really want you to come back and maybe we'll just, you know, hone in on, on like a different topic and just go deep dive into it. But thank you, Gina, for being with us. And, you know, just because it's so relevant right now, touching on this topic of what's going on in this country. Um, I, I really feel like our, our, you know, our community's in pain right now. And there's so many different levels of pissed off and angry and scared. And I just wanted to send love out to, to those people who are feeling that way. You know, on um, the topic, can I ask as um, the person that felt like I was unsure, what could, what can we do to help support? Is there anything like, yeah, um, I actually, I, I really believe that if you live anywhere in this country and you have an Asian neighbor, maybe you've never spoken to them. Maybe they're older. Maybe they live alone. Maybe it's a family with small kids. I know it's COVID, but it might mean a lot if you, you know, let's just say you're able to, like, to offer to go grocery shopping for an older Asian neighbor or just escort them, just go with them. It, some people need a bodyguard right now. I think that if you're in the position to do it and there's somebody you're thinking about, then maybe it'll take a little bit to jump, to step out of yourself and, and approach somebody that you don't know, but 
I think that's one really tangible way of being an ally. And then Gina, can you tell us about um, what you posted today one more time, just in case people want to jump on? Sure. So um, bad, if you follow her on Instagram, um, badass cross stitching, she used to be the director of development for an organization. um, And she, for an organization that supports uh, Asian American Pacific Islanders, and she is putting on a free training for bystander bystander intervention and what to do when you find yourself in a situation where you do need to step in and help somebody feel safe. Um, To what Carrie was saying, you know, to be an ally, check in with your friends, check in with your neighbors and let them know that you're there for them and that you're standing by to them, you know, standing by for them. Um, that to me means a lot, knowing that people are thinking about me and my feelings and my concerns and my anger and my frustrations. That that always feels good. Well, I love you both and I care and I want you to know that I'm sorry that it took us jumping on here tonight for me to know that I should do that. But I hope that this message gets out to so many people and that they hear it, they understand it, and they feel the pain that so many people are going through. Yeah. And, and it's okay. Like I had um, some, I've had been having a lot of people check on me recently and it's a lot of the sentiments the same. They're like, oh my God, I should have checked on you a long time ago. But for me, I kind of consider myself, you know, I live in a city where I haven't experienced it. I live in LA. I don't really go anywhere besides work and home and the grocery store. So I'm not really that exposed and I'm not that afraid right now. More so I'm angry and I'm trying to use my megaphone. So my friends who are worried about me, I'm like, thank you. I love you. Um, I'm not really worried about me, but thank you because I do have things like this to do that therapeutic talking because I know that when I was younger, part of the reason why I couldn't deal with a lot of things like emotionally is because I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the platform to talk to my friends. I didn't feel that now. That's all, that's all different because I've, you know, 44, I feel differently. I'm very confident about what I think and feel. So I think all of it's, again, talking about what you said, Gina, it's optimistic because this is the right direction. Somebody like me who did feel muted like you, I no longer feel that way. So let's go. And I will take this conversation anywhere with anybody. <laughs> I mean, is that fucking pissed right now, but in a good way. Good. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're going to have to come on my podcast and talk about getting unmuted. I really think there's a, a, a space for more conversation about all of this. And it's hard. Absolutely. It's hard to dissect. Like it's hard for me to have the conversation with direct immigrants versus like, you know, somebody that's first generation, second generation here. It feels a little different too. You know, it's different. So I would love to gather, you know, maybe three or four different perspectives on this, probably four and talk about it some more. Um, Yeah. I love it. Yeah. We'll do that. Um, Kelly, I'll yeah, give you Kelly, a for that one. Yeah. yeah. 
awesome. Um, um, had so much fun tonight, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into Greener Grass, a podcast. You can always find us at Carrie at and Kelly at grandrevcreative.com. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Thank you.